Welcome to Scandal Water, where the tea is hot and the conversation lively. Your hosts, Candy and Ashley, will discuss a peculiar story somehow related to the entertainment industry. This podcast might not change the world, but it just might satisfy your thirst for an intriguing tale. Oh, it's that time of day. Tune in and hear what the ladies say. It's time to bend your ear when the silver screen appears. Stories about the stage and screen and everything in between. So come on and join the fun. The curtain opens in three, two, one. Good morning, Ashley. Good morning. Good to be back on this lovely spring day. It is. It's so pretty outside and we're going to be indoors all day, but that's okay. I'm in good company. Right. And I agree. But I also had the benefit of driving out here mm-hmm. and it's a gorgeous drive. Aww. So I actually got to enjoy the good. scenery and kind of get my, my fill before we put on the old headphones. <laughs> we're here. We're ready to work. <laughs> and ready to talk about an interesting topic today. Mm-hmm. We are following the thread. Yes. And so we gave them a little preview. We told them that coming off of our Star Wars episode, mm-hmm. we would be moving to the iconic Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford. Yes. So I thought I would ask you, Ashley, what do do you think is one of the most iconic or beloved Harrison Ford movie scenes of all time? Whoa. Or it can be one that you just love. It doesn't have to be one that everybody loves. For most iconic, the first thing that popped into my mind is the one from Raiders where he replaces (laughs) the jewels with the bag of sand and then the ball comes and it chases him. That's probably the one everybody thinks of first, maybe. One of the best opening movie sequences ever. Yes, it is. Yeah, I saw that they were trying to go for something that was a little James Bondish oh, when they put that together. Yes, cool. they wanted this really big, long action mm-hmm. sequence. So that was one of their motivations behind that. Nice. Yeah, I also thought of the scene from Raiders where the swordsman comes out and then Indy shoots him. Yes, he had a fever that day. That's why they did that. <laughs> Thank you. That's mm-hmm. exactly what I had heard. Mm-hmm. But then I came across a podcast episode. It was on Smartless. And when I saw that they had done an interview with Steven Spielberg, mm-hmm. I had to listen to oh, it. Oh, yeah. And in the last 10 minutes or so of that episode, he actually speaks to that scene. Was he not sick? Well, it's interesting. He was, but Steven added a little more detail that I had never heard before. He said that the night before they were shooting, Harrison had eaten tainted lamb and he had what Stephen referred to as the teristas what's that i believe he had diarrhea oh (laughs) the teristas that's funny a little intestinal thing okay okay so Stephen said that that morning they go to to film and harrison says you got an hour i I can give you an hour (laughs) and then i'm done and Stephen said he literally looks at harrison and he's like we're supposed to be doing this three-page scene where you're you're fighting a Mm -hmm. swordsman with a bullwhip you know how are we going to get this done And this is funny. Steven says that he and Harrison both remember being the one to come up with the Ah. joke. And so he's not sure which one of them actually said it. But he recalls one of them saying, why don't we just shoot the guy? Mm -hmm. Now, here's the part that I'd never heard before. Because like you, I'd heard the whole sick story before. But what Steven added was that when they went to film the scene, when he decided, yes, they're going to let him shoot the guy, he said he told Harrison, this is super important, before you, you know, when this guy comes out and threatens you before you shoot him you have to pause and you have to wipe your brow and when you do so you have to make a point to fold the front part of your fedora hat 
upwards. He even said, I want you to look a little bit like Gabby Hayes. I had to look up who Gabby Hayes was. Who Apparently is that? he's this sidekick, very famous from the old Westerns, but kind of this very grizzled, but incredibly likable character. Uh-huh. I think he might've been a bit of a comic relief, relief okay. person. So Stephen said, folding up the fedora and making him look a little comical was very important because he didn't want him to look like the suave, swashbuckling Indiana Jones that we normally see because otherwise it would have looked like cold-blooded murder. For it to read as funny, he needed Harrison Ford as Indy to look comical. And he said that's what sold the scene. Wow. Uh, Yeah, you're right. He just straight up murdered that guy and we're just like, ha ha ha. (laughs) We all think it's hysterical. I was fascinated by that little insight. Mm -hmm. Yes, the filmmaker perspective. Stephen for you. Genius. Man, I love that guy. Genius. So, well, I thought that was an interesting way to start mm-hmm. with that little story. And then let's jump to Harrison, though, because I right. kind of focused in a little bit on Stephen. But when I started researching Harrison Ford, it took me aback a little bit to realize this man is now 80 years old. I can't believe it. And when you start to look him up, he has been in or is going to be in three incredibly huge projects just within this past like year. Mm-hmm. He's got his upcoming Indiana Jones 5 movie. Indiana. The trailer just came out. It looked amazing. It did. You sent that to me. I and I was like, oh, I cannot wait to see this. Yeah. It looks so good. But Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny is set to be released in June of this coming year. It was actually filmed back in June of 2021 is when it started. It finished in February of 2022. But its release date kept getting pushed back. I wonder why. Not sure. Hmm. But it's coming out. He also has a lead role currently in the hit Apple TV show called Shrinking. Hmm. He plays a therapist and he's earned a lot of wonderful reviews for this character that people say is actually kind of riffing on his own personality a little bit. He's supposed to be this really grumpy. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Harrison Ford reminds me of somebody who became a movie star but didn't really want to but actually really loves it. Yes, I think you just nailed him. So that show is rated for mature audiences, supposed to be a comedy. And then he is also in, I don't know that this is out yet. I don't watch this show, but they are making a prequel called 1923. It's for Yellowstone. Mm -hmm. And he is starring alongside Helen Mirren That's again. a good pairing. They played husband and wife back in the 1986 drama Mosquito Coast. Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't either because I cool. had not seen that. Yeah. But now they are paired up again. And he's actually going to be in that, which I'm sure is going to be another huge hit. So to just to flesh this out a little bit more, they are actually playing the married couple Jacob and Kara Dutton. And they are supposed to be the ancestors of the current day Yellowstone Dutton ranch owner, who is played by Kevin Costner. So here he is, 80 years old, and he's in three hits, and mm-hmm. he's trying something new. Apparently, he is new to this idea of being in a TV series. So this man is not slowing down. No. <laughs> he seems to be picking up a little bit. <laughs> As I was Googling him, I was thinking, how should I approach this? And I came across a quote from a 2017 Hollywood Reporter article that struck me. It was written by a man named Josh Spiegel. And here's a little quote from that. He said, though he has a vast filmography, Harrison Ford is largely defined by three characters he portrayed in the early 1980s, Mm -hmm. Han Solo, Indiana Jones, and Rick 
Deckard. Really? Rick Deckard was the third? I have not seen Blade Runner. Didn't he only play that in one film? Or did Actually, he do two. A, two. There, there was, was a second a one. Okay, mm-hmm. I haven't seen either one of those. Well, I thought, I'm. how am I going to do this? This man has so much to well, talk and about. Well, also, he's I still thought, alive. Right. You can't thought, do a complete biography. So I thought, this mm-hmm. is what I'll do. I'm going to use this as my organizational device. I'm going to kind of center this episode around his three iconic roles. Okay. And use that to kind of tell his story. Okay. But I want to pause because mm-hmm. I think you make a legitimate point. So knowing that we're going to focus in specifically on those three different roles and and movie series that mm-hmm. he did, what are some other performances, performances or movies that you think <sighs> that I love speak well of him or in his abilities? Oh, well, Brian and I have spent the last few days immersed in Harrison Ford films because I knew we were doing this and mm. I didn't know what approach you were going to take. And I just kind of wanted to revisit his mm-hmm. films. I love the film Sabrina. Uh-huh. It's a remake of the original that had Audrey Hepburn and Humphrey Bogart and William Holden. But it, it is a rare thing when I think a remake is better than the original. And mm. I think this remake is just, it's so sweet. At the end of it, I was just like, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> and I also love The Fugitive. Yes. Yes, love that he did film. such a great job in that. Well, it's interesting because he actually has a smaller role in it than you think he does. I mean, he's still a lead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's still true. But Tommy Lee Jones has most of the dialogue. And mm-hmm. it's funny. So Tommy Lee's character and his interactions with them, it's they they riff with each other. Well, Tommy Lee and his co-workers. He's not riffing with Harrison. But mm-hmm. they all riff together and it's really fun. And the dialogue is fast and, and fun. And then you've got Harrison who's over here doing deep drama. So there's almost two different things going on. But the opening, there is a train crash. And I knew he survived. But I was sitting there going, oh, Harrison, (laughs) it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. But it was exciting. Yeah, That film is exciting. And then regarding Henry is one that Mm. I really, really enjoy. Showed his range. Yes. Age of Adeline is also a good one where he is. I've not seen it. It's he's supporting, mm-hmm. but in that it's a romance. And I almost think that the romance between Harrison's character and the main character played by Blake Lively is more heartbreaking than the romance we're supposed to think is heartbreaking. Mm. So I won't say anything about it if you, since you want to see it, but oh, oh, another one, Air Force One. We watched that last oh, night. Yes. That's another really good one. But Harrison has a career of not saying very much. Like he's a man of few words. He is a man of few he's words. He's got a great smoldering look. He does. And you can just kind of, look. you can kind of <laughs> tell what he is thinking by the expression on his Mm -hmm. face i think indiana jones or maybe han solo might be the roles he speaks the most in because Mm. the fugitive he wasn't saying much regarding henry he doesn't say much it just was fascinating to me that he was this character that you love him but he hasn't really said a lot and i think what you're speaking to is the fact that so many of his roles are action filled that's something that's going to come up later where in one of the films he he basically said that people asked him why he did so many of the stunts and he said there's so much action here if i weren't doing my own stunts i wouldn't be doing much in this movie (laughs) like it's yeah action plays a central role in a lot of his films and and therefore that speaks to the lack of dialogue because Mm -hmm. we're busy watching him do things Mm -hmm. and reacting you know and, and making things happen i think another thing that's interesting is when he gets hurt in those films he acts like he's been hurt right a lot of times they'll take a wound and a stab or trip or fall and they just bounce back up and he actually stumbles or he looks like he's been hurt which helps to sell it yes the human quality Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. this is somebody who is heroic Mm -hmm. but it's not some kind of a superhero or some type of james bond right impervious to all wolverine self-healing exactly but 
to go back to what you said a minute ago, I think the fact that he's known for so many action films makes him stand out more when he takes a role such as he did in Witness. Yeah, I haven't seen that one. That's one I. That's on my list. Of, there's a few left of his that I have not seen, and I want to see that one. Mm-hmm. Or if yeah. I did, I don't remember it. It's been such a long time since I saw it, but that is one of the roles, I think, where he showed a different side of himself, mm-hmm. and, and we saw some of that range. Nice. Well, moving back in then to... Our focus, we're going to talk about him first in relation to Star Wars, of course. Mr. Solo. That's right. And we touched on this so much in our last episode. We, we hit on a lot of things. We already know that he got the role in large part thanks to his role in American Graffiti. Mm-hmm. Had he not worked with George Lucas and played that role, then it would not have led to him getting cast as Han Solo in the 1977 film Star Wars. But just to fill in a little bit of his history before that, he had performed a number of small parts in a lot of TV shows, everything from The Virginian to Gunsmoke to Love American Style, and also small roles in films like A Time for Killing or A Journey to Shiloh. But Harrison Ford shared in a 2007 interview with GQ, which I've I'm pulled several good things from okay. this because he opened up to oh. this interviewer. Yes, it was funny because the interviewer starts out by talking about how Harrison Ford doesn't want to do the interview, mm-hmm. how he's got, he's got that personality, mm-hmm. but then he ended up sharing things that were a little personal. Hmm. So it was, it was a good interview. But he talked a little bit about the fact that he got started in the mid-1960s and it was during that transitional time. It was from bef- the studio. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So he caught the tail end of when the studios were still big and old Hollywood was Mm -hmm. still kind of in place. So when he came on board, young actors were still being asked to sign on for these seven-year contracts with different film studios and they were very controlled. Mm -hmm. Here's how we want you to look. At one point, they handed him a picture of Elvis Presley and said, go to a barbershop, get your hair cut like this. Another time they said, your name is too common. We need a new name for you. Mm -hmm. And being (laughs) kind of a smart aleck personality, he came back with his suggestion, which was Kurt Affair. <laughs> and obviously they eye-rolled at him mm-hmm, and mm-hmm, knew mm-hmm. that he wasn't taking it seriously and yeah. he didn't want to go for it. And, yeah. and therefore he kept his name. He kept his name. Although at one point he added a J to distinguish himself from another actor named Harrison Ford, who was a silent film actor. Interesting. So I think one credit Harrison somewhere. Ford. It, yep, somewhere out there. But he did not do super well trying to work for these studios because you actually did a nice little I did. preview when you said he seemed like a man who just didn't want to do it. Yeah. that That's who <laughs> yeah. he was. He did not want to play by the by the rules of there the game. Is, so his first role, you can see it on YouTube. I looked it up. James Coburn is in it and he's paging someone. And I don't know if it was this role or whatnot, but some studio head tells him when Tony Curtis was in his first film, you looked at him and you, you just knew that he was a movie star. And he responded something like, well, I thought you were supposed to look at him and think he was a messenger boy. <laughs> so that's his attitude. <laughs> Sounds like him. Well, so he ends up getting fired by at least one of the two studios. I can't recall. It might have been two different ones. But he was not earning his living. He was definitely getting some small roles, Mm -hmm. but he was not making it big. He became a carpenter, right? Exactly. Exactly. And he needed to make the extra money because by this point, he is married and he is the father of two. Okay. Back in June of 1964, he had married a lady named Mary Marquardt. 
after meeting at a liberal arts college that they attended together in Mm -hmm. Wisconsin. Now, she did graduate with a degree in the culinary arts and started a career in the food industry. He actually dropped out shortly before he would have graduated because he decided he was going to go the acting route. Here they are now. They have a son named Benjamin, who was born in 1966. They have a second son, Willard, who was born in 1969. And they're needing a little extra cash. (laughs) So Harrison Ford shared, we all know he was a carpenter. He said that part of what inspired that was that his dad actually did a little carpentry work when they were young, when Mm -hmm. he was young. And so he knew how to run the tools. He knew how to cut a straight line. And he shared in this GQ interview, a little more information. He said, quote, I cared that it was straight, which was the biggest part of it. My dad had a little workshop in our basement and we'd done some work together. I watched him cut his finger off one day down in the basement. Now, I'm going to share this story because I think this is interesting. He goes on to tell the reporter that the dad was cutting a sheet of plywood on a little table saw and cut off one whole finger, the middle finger, and partway into another. And when the reporter asked if Harrison's father had permanently lost his middle finger, Harrison said, yeah, actually, I did pick it up and wrap it in Kleenex and put it in my pocket. But when I got to the hospital, we went there in the back of a police car. I handed it to the emergency room surgeon who went and threw it in the bin. No! Now, this is all when Harrison is about 16 years old. And so the reporter asked if he was traumatized by it. And he laughed and said, no, it wasn't my finger. (laughs) And then he goes goes on to joke that every time after that, when his dad would point at him, he would look where the finger should have been pointing (laughs) and, and would really make his dad angry. And so the reporter says, as Harrison's telling this story, all of a sudden Harrison stops and he says, quote, it's occurred to him that in recounting this tale, he has pointed his finger at me in a certain manner and he is well aware that finger pointing is considered one of his on-screen signatures. Really? And Harrison said, I know what you're thinking. Ah, that's where it comes from. But then he goes on and says, I'm not aware I'm doing it. Oh. Now, I love this story for three reasons. First of all, it address kind of the carpentry background Mm -hmm. it also showed one of his signature moves that that finger pointing it was kind of interesting i didn't notice that he did that that's fun apparently that's a thing people talk Ah. about is his finger pointing as an actor but i also thought it showed his personality yeah like this is who he is so i love the story interesting little side note during the time that he did do some carpentry he was hired by the star of the original film mash sally kellerman to do some construction work on her 4412 square foot home in hollywood hills and it sold back in 2015 for a lot of money and one last little note about that according to imdb trivia one of the things that harrison enjoyed most about making the movie witness and the movie mosquito coast that was one was in 1985 and the other was in 1986 was that he got to apply his real life skills as a carpenter for example in the barn raising scene from witness neat yeah well moving back to our timeline so by this point harrison is 33 years old which is kind of old it is they 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 call for film it's not old in real life but it's old for film right for somebody who's been trying to make it big Mm -hmm. since the Mm mid-1960s and it's now 1977 Mm mm-hmm 
they call him basically someone who came to the acting game late mm-hmm. or to stardom mm-hmm. late. And and when you think about the other actors who were the leads in that film, he was the older guy. Like he was the mature, married father of two. Mm-hmm. And these are kids. Kids. Exactly. Which is why I think I think something that he does in every film is call somebody kid. Yeah, he does. He says kid a lot. Yeah. Well, a little bit more about that Han Solo role. First of all, I loved what we said last time. Carrie Fisher called the role that Han Solo played the archetype of the swashbuckler. And I think that is so accurate. Mm -hmm. I think he was that rogue. He was the swashbuckler. He Mm -hmm. was the bad boy. Mm -hmm. And one of the little scenes when she says, I love you, he was supposed to say, I love you back. He says, I know. And he changed it to, I know, which was, of course, very in line with what Han Solo would say. That say, I love you. And the other shirt says, I know. Back to that merchandising again, too. So he ended up, of course, performing in five Star Wars films. He did all three of the original trilogy and then Harrison also starred in it wasn't a huge role but he also appeared in Star Wars The Force Awakens in 2015 and that is where spoiler alert Han Solo gets killed yeah and then he made a very small appearance in Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker in 2019 Hmm. now probably everyone knows this but just in case it's very well known that Harrison Ford really pushed for Han Solo to get killed in those in the original trilogy Only in the original trilogy. Mm -hmm. Why? He felt that he didn't really have much further to go. He thought that... A hero's death would be better? Yes. He thought that Han Solo should sacrifice himself for the greater good. He wanted him to die in Return of the Jedi back in 1983. Wow. An interesting note is that Harrison Ford never signed the contract to do all three of those films. Oh. Yeah. So he he really was pushing hard for this. Now, other people say that in addition to wanting Han Solo to have that hero's death, to sacrifice himself, he felt like Han Solo's story had kind of played itself yeah. out. Other people think that Harrison really just wanted out of Star Wars. Just was tired of it. Mm-hmm. People say that he never really was a huge fan of the Star Wars movies or sci-fi in general. Mm-hmm. There was one source I saw that quoted Harrison Ford as saying that the character of Han Solo was always a little thin. So I don't think it was his big thing. Hmm. He did specifically say that one of the things that drew him to do the 2015 Star Wars The Force Awakens was when George Lucas called him and told him, hey, I've got this, you know, do you want to do this role? Mm-hmm. And you will be get killed. Ki- you will get killed in this. And that was a draw for him Wow! to want to do the movie. Now, here is one more side note about The Force Awakens. So when he was filming it, Harrison Ford was severely injured. Do you remember that? The Force Awakens? No. What happened? In 2014, when he was doing his scene. Oh, wait. Helicopter crash? There was a crash. It Uh was actually in his plane that he was flying in 2015. This was 2014. It was just the year before. It might have been his first or second day of filming. I mean, it was very early in his process. A hydraulic door on the set of the Millennium Falcon fell on him and fractured his ankle. They had to to rush him off. I think I do remember that now. And it halted production for something like two weeks i mean he was severely injured but i saw this little note found this fascinating during a talk at the tribeca film festival the director jj abrams said that that break that they had to take from the filming process helped to save that star wars movie why 
Here's his quote. When I was on the set of the Millennium Falcon and we started to do work with Ray and Finn, the first time we did it, it didn't work at all. The chemistry between Ray and Finn wasn't playing out the way that he wanted. So Abrams was telling the audience who's listening to him that he knew he needed to fix it. So going back into his quote, he said, it was much more contentious. I didn't direct it right. It was set up all wrong. And when Harrison Ford got injured, which was a very scary day, we ended up having a few weeks off. And it was during that time that I really got to look at what we had done and rewrite quite a bit of that relationship. So when we came back to work again, we actually just reshot from the ground up those scenes. It was an amazingly helpful thing to get these two characters to where they needed to be. Interesting. So it was a bad thing, but they turned it into good. Yeah. One other note about Star Wars, especially that 1977 original film. We did not bring this up last time, but obviously there was the scandal. Do you remember what I'm talking about? Remind me. Well... It was quite the shocker when almost 40 years after that movie came out, Carrie Fisher revealed in her 2016 memoir, The Princess Diarist, that she and Harrison Ford had actually had an affair while they were filming that original movie. Yes, now I remember that. When you said scandal, I thought you meant that it came out in 1977 scandal. No, yeah, I remember that. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, it's funny because I had forgotten. Mm -hmm. So when it came back up again, I I got the shock once Mm -hmm. more. Mm -hmm. I think I'm as shocked about the fact that they kept it secret for 40 years as I am about anything. I wasn't shocked because I just assumed it had happened. I did not. Really? Well, when I thought about the fact that he was 33 year old, 33 she's 17. Year, yeah. Well, I think she was 19 when oh, they were 19? filming. Okay. But at the same time, he's, and he's married, married with, with two, two kids. kids. Yeah. What she said this time, she was talking to People Magazine. She said, "Quote: It was so intense. It was Han and Leah during the week, and Carrie and Harrison during the weekend. According to Carrie, it was pretty short lived. I think it was just a few months, maybe three months." And Harrison Ford was very closed mouthed about all this. But in that same 2017 GQ article that I've now referenced a couple times, he did respond very briefly. Carrie had told people she didn't want to ambush him, that she had told him about it in advance and he'd given her permission. Okay. So this GQ reporter asked Harrison, was he given any advance warning? And his response was, quote, um, to a degree, yes. And the reporter asked, and what? What did you think? And he said, quote, oh, I don't know. I don't know. You know, with Carrie's untimely passing, I don't really feel that it's a subject I want to discuss. Yeah. That's where it was left by mm-hmm. him. If, I mean, I didn't do an exhaustive search, mm-hmm. but I didn't see anything else I heard, from him. I heard a long time, I think back before she passed. So he may have abandoned this. What I had heard is at the time when she told him, he said he had like one word for her and that was attorney. So mm. he didn't want it to come out i'm sure he did not yes i mean after 40 years I, yeah. i'm sure he thought he was in the clear yeah yeah in terms of the public knowing about it well i don't know if that had anything to do with ending his marriage or if there were mm-hmm. other relationships mm-hmm. i never saw anything else definitive there were little rumors here and there that i would see at one point i'm not sure even what the timeline would be on this but there was at one point rumors of a potential relationship with laura flynn boyle i think is her last name laura flynn boyle okay yeah but i i don't really know what caused their marriage to end but mary and harrison 
did divorce in 1979. And by the time that he had moved on to his next role, he started Raiders of the Lost Ark in 1980 because it came out in 1981. Mm-hmm. He was now with a new girlfriend. He was with Melissa Matheson, mm-hmm. who ends up being the screenwriter for E.T. Melissa and he were supposed to have met on the set of Apocalypse Now. Melissa was a friend of Francis Ford Coppola. Some sources said that she actually worked for a time as an assistant on that film. So I'm not sure how involved she was or if she just visited, but they met there and they did actually end up getting married in 1983. They had a son together, Malcolm, in 1987, three years later, a daughter named Georgia. And just kind of going ahead and previewing what's coming, they'll stay together quite some time. But in 2000, they had a trial separation before officially filing for divorce in 2004. I'm just going to go ahead and, and fill in all of the relationship okay. information right now just so that we can kind of get this in our minds. Their divorce settlement would end up being one of the largest celebrity divorces at that time. Really? The settlement was around $85 million, according <gasps> to Forbes. That's back in 2004. Whoa. So obviously that's more money now. And then Harrison Ford did start dating Callista Flockhart. That is such an odd pairing to me. Yeah. Well, but apparently they're very yeah. happy. They're yeah, still together. Married, married mm-hmm. 20 some odd years. They met in 2002 at the Golden Globes, immediately connected. She is quite a bit younger by mm-hmm. 22 years. And they were dating while he was still married to Melissa, but uh, they, were separated. they were separated. They did not get married in- until 2010. Now, before they had met, Callista had adopted a son named Liam. And then at some point along the way, Harrison Ford did adopt mm-hmm. Liam as well. Mm-hmm. And again, they are still together today. We are going to move into the Indiana Jones movies, but why don't we take a quick break first? If you love Scandal Water and would like to help us keep the tea brewing, simply go to www.buymeacoffee.com slash scandalwaterpod, where you can become a monthly supporter or give a one-time gift. Cheers! We are back and ready to talk about Indiana Jones. Mm-hmm. During the break, yes. you shared with me yes. that he's based on a real person. Do you want to? I think he's loosely based. I don't okay. know the full story, but a few years ago, my mom wrote a young adult novel called The Chronicles of Miss Liberty Delaney Adventures in Old New York. So she did a lot of research for this. And one of the characters in the book is called Roy Chapman Andrews. Mm. Pretty sure that through her research, she discovered that he was one of the inspirations for Indiana Jones. So I pulled up his wiki page. And it says Roy Chapman Andrews was an American explorer, adventurer, and naturalist who became the director of the American Museum of Natural History. He led a series of expeditions through the politically disturbed China of the early 20th century into the Gobi Desert and Mongolia. And if you look at his picture, he kind of has a little bit of that Indiana Jones costume swagger there. Well, how interesting is that? Yeah. Very cool. He definitely sounded a little Indiana jones There you go. There's a picture comparing the two of them directly. Oh, now that definitely looks more like him. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very cool. Well, apparently the whole thing started as a collaboration between George Lucas and Steven Spielberg right around the same time that Star Wars was hitting it big. What happened was back in 1977, George Lucas wanted to get away from the opening weekend publicity. So he invited Steven to join him on 
vacation in Hawaii. Nice. And while they were on the beach in, in Hawaii, Hawaii, as you do, building sandcastles, <laughs> with no your bestie, lie, with your no bestie, lie, I'm sure. Yes. He tells Steven Spielberg his idea for this whole Indiana Jones story on the beach. Steven committed right wow. then. Wow. They are a story of just besties. I'm telling you. You know? And magic happened every time these two decided to join forces. That's right. Yeah. Oh, forces. I like that. Mm. They joined forces. Joined forces. Mm. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Well, overall, Harrison Ford ends up, if we count the, the one that's not yet been released, he has now been in five Indiana Jones movies. There was Raiders of the Lost Ark, 1981, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, 1984, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. My 19- favorite. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. 1989, Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, 2008. Not my favorite. A lot of people felt yeah. the same way about yeah. that one. And then, of course, the one that's going to come out in 2023, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, Raiders of the Lost Ark was... Phenomenal. It was. Yeah. It really was. We've already hit on a few things. They have talked about the fact that it was based after James Bond in terms of the opening sequence, but right. also it was based after that idea of serials. We've talked about mm-hmm. that before. Both George Lucas and Steven Spielberg grew up watching these old-time kind of movie serials yes. where there were cliffhangers. Yes. There was action yes. adventure and it was suspense. And they modeled a lot of their own works after that idea. They did that very specifically with Raiders of the Lost Ark. They kept wanting cliffhangers mm-hmm. all through the movie. And another point that was made in one of the sources was they chose a setting that made it timeless. The fact that they set it when they did during the, you know, the time of heading into World War II, mm-hmm. it doesn't age the film. Right. It, it stays relevant right. even after all these years. Now, you brought up a point that was specifically dressed in a Vanity Fair article that I found. What? Talking about the character Indiana Jones himself. Uh-huh. Here is what was said in this article. Indiana Jones was never a machine. I think one of the things we brought to the genre was the willingness to allow our leading man to get hurt and oh, to yeah. express his pain and to get his mad out and to take pratfalls and sometimes be the butt of his own jokes. Yeah. I mean, Indiana Jones is not a perfect hero and his imperfections, I think, make the audience feel that with a little more exercise and a little more courage, they could be just like him. A little more exercise. So he's not the Terminator. <laughs> he's not so far away from the people who go to see the movies yeah. that he's inaccessible to yeah. their own dreams and aspirations. He's not even Bond. Bond's not a superhero, yeah. but he's more impenetrable. Yeah. I even think- his looks. He is ruggedly handsome, but he's not unapproachably handsome. Mm-hmm. You know, some people are so handsome, you're like, whoa, that's not even real. Right. He looks like a real person. Rugged good looks. Rugged good looks. Just yes. like an everyman. Yes. He was described, I think it was Steven, it was, it was Steven Spielberg who described Indiana Jones as having a, quote, caustic laconic spirit. So that's how he sees Indiana Jones. Now, we've said that Harrison liked to do his own stunts, although, of course, he would let his stunt double do the dangerous, tricky ones. Not like Tom Cruise, who's like, I'm going to do it all. (laughs) Put me on the wing of the plane. Sure, we'll do it. (laughs) But the director of the newest Indiana Jones film, he talked about some of the parallels. Mm -hmm. He said, quote, his name, by the way, is James Mangold. He said, Harrison is not unlike Indy in the sense he's carrying with him the scars of all the films Mm -hmm. he's made. 
aid, as well as his own private calamities. He is literally this embodiment of all those bruises, broken bones, and being bounced off walls and being thrown to the floor over so many years. Like they both carry that with them. Yes. And then he went on to say that this this fella, director Mangold, he actually helped co-write the script. And he said he really wanted to reflect Harrison and Indy's At this time of life. Yes, he wanted to reflect where they are Mm -hmm. and what's going on around them Mm -hmm. in the script. He said, again, another quote from this director, James Mangold, the mistake you can make in movies is when someone is of a ripe age, but the movie continues this charade that they're not that old. Every challenge he faces is through the reality of what someone of that age would be dealing with yeah yeah i like that's good beds it in the movie Mm -hmm. he makes it real smart yes now going back to temple of doom Here's a little side note that Steven Spielberg shared in that same Vanity Fair article back in 2008. He said he is very proud of the fact that he helped change the rating system through Temple of Doom. PG-13. Mm-hmm. He said before this point, like Jaws, for example, mm-hmm. Jaws was PG. No, and, and, it's not. And Steven Spielberg was like, it should not have been PG. No, it But there, not. Was no, there was nothing else to there's go no for. In the middle, there's no middle ground. Yeah. He said because of the menace and the feeling of it and even the blood, there's no way it really should have been PG to Today, it would be PG-13. Mm-hmm. But here's how he shared it came about changing this rating system. The story of that was I had come under criticism, personal criticism for both Temple of Doom and, you know, Gremlins in the same oh, year. Oh, he did Gremlins? Oh, mm-hmm. okay. I remember calling Jack Valente, who was then the president of the Motion Picture Association, and suggesting to him that we need a rating between R and PG because so many films were falling into another world, mm-hmm. you know, of unfairness. Unfair that certain kids were exposed to Jaws, but also unfair that certain films were restricted, that kids who were 13, 14, 15 should be allowed to see. Yeah. I suggested, let's call it PG-13 or PG-14, depending on how you want to design the slide rule. And Jack came back to me and said, we've determined that PG-13 would be the right age for that temperature of movie. So I've always been very proud that I had something to do with that rating. Well, Stephen. So one last little note about Indiana Jones before we'll move on unless you want to throw anything in here is simply the fact that he's very careful not to actually say it out loud but everybody knows that of his iconic roles that he's known for of you know of Han Solo versus Mm -hmm. Rick Deckard versus Indiana Jones it's very clear that Harrison Ford enjoyed Indiana Jones the most. because he made the most movies with that and he's doing them he's still doing sequels Mm -hmm. somebody somebody had I don't remember who had the idea but I thought it was a great idea it might have been somebody on Twitter said that Harrison has been very clear I am Indiana Jones when Indiana Jones ends that's it I don't want somebody else to take up the mantle because people have talked about oh we should cast Chris Pratt as the next Indiana Jones he says no I am Indiana Mm -hmm. Jones there is no other Indiana Jones somebody had the great idea to have the character of Short Round Mm -hmm. um, take up the mantle not to be Indiana Jones but to be him and to go on adventures and that is one way that they could continue the story oh that's a good idea Mm -hmm. you know that's interesting that you say that because I kind of vaguely remember seeing a little something about Harrison Ford not wanting Chris, Chris Pratt to take over now that you say that yeah but he did allow himself to be de-aged. I saw that. Yes. That looks, that is, it's amazing. They did such a good job. They did. 
And it's it's such a technical process. Yes. They go back and they, I, I don't understand it fully, but my understanding is they go back and they find all these images Other of him. footage. Yes, and they find a way to kind of blend it together it's and create wild. him in this new... It is new... wild. Before we go on, I want to say a really quick little sidebar about why I like Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade okay. so much. So we even, or I even wrote about this in the book about our making of our first film, is that there have been so many times in my life where I was up against something or I had to put a lot of faith into this moment that was coming up and Mm -hmm. I always think of the scene at the very end where Indiana's dad has been injured and he has to cross the bridge and he's got his dad's notebook and he looks across and it's just it's uncrossable he doesn't know how he's going to get from one side to the other side he looks at the book and he says it's a leap of faith and he puts his hand over his heart he lifts his leg into the air and he you know knows when this foot goes down I could fall but Mm. I may not fall and then when he's when his foot goes down it hits it's because it was always there he just had to take that leap of faith to know that it was going to be there to to find it yes and that has inspired me more times than i can even tell you i don't even remember that moment and here this is this is kind of a touchstone for you yes it really really is when i come up to a moment and i think it's it's the leap of faith and you just have to put your hand over your heart and step out in faith and it's going to be there isn't that cool how moments can yeah like make a lasting impact on you like that really really cool Yeah, so I just wanted to share that. I like it. Well, moving into our last role, Blade Runner. So many of these things happened back to back to back. They did. He had a good 80s. He really did. Mm -hmm. And to think about the fact, here we are thinking about the 80s, which is now 40 some years ago. And he has (laughs) these roles that started then are still basically with him today. He, I think he would be the king of the 80s because he started it with Star Wars and he ended it with the third, we thought at the time, the third and the final Indiana Jones, which is Last Crusade came out in 1989. So back to back. Mm. I mean, the whole decade. He killed it. He did. Yeah. And then kept it going. Yeah. Well, Blade Runner came about while he was still shooting Raiders of the Lost Ark. So one day, Ridley Scott, who directed Alien, Uh drops by while he's working on set and he wants to discuss the project. Now, if you've not seen it... I have not. Okay. Well, the movie is about Rick Deckard, he, who is supposed to be a blade runner. That means his job is to hunt down replicants, mm. which are androids that can pass for human. Okay. Some of whom are not even aware of their true nature. Like if, if they are replicants, they don't know. Okay. So, we need a blade runner for that medical person I told you about. <laughs> The Stepford. Yes, the non-human. <laughs> well, <laughs> they said that Harrison, remember, if it's true, he's not a huge sci-fi fan. Yeah. But apparently he liked this project, but he did not like... There was this thing written into the script where there was going to be a lot of voiceover narration. And so even before he signed on, Harrison Ford made the deal with Ridley Scott that he would do it if they replaced some or all of the voiceover narration with extra scenes. Harrison Ford is quoted as saying, I felt I was playing a detective who did no detecting. He wanted Mm. to do the scenes. Okay. So they get into the project and apparently it was a nightmare. Oh, no. (laughs) Harrison. Ford said it was so challenging. We used words like grueling. It was a 50-night shoot on a studio lot in LA. And so it was not fun. There was a lot of conflict. I think he disagreed a lot with the director, Mm -hmm. Ridley Scott. So it wasn't like it was all, you know... Sunshine. (laughs) Sunshine and roses over here. But then what made it really bad was before Blade Runner was released, the studio decided they did want to do the voiceover narration. And they insisted that Harrison Ford record all the 
these different little versions of it. He said, quote, four or five different versions, I think. And he had to do it, but he was not happy. So he did it grumpily, I'm sure. Oh, yes, I am sure. He made his feelings very known. (laughs) And so when the movie first came out in 1982, it was not very successful. Mm. In fact, if you go back and and find old articles or old reviews from around that time, Mm -hmm. it'll even talk about it being a miss on his part. Mm. Like, you know, oh, so why is it his iconic role then? Well, what they said was over the years, the movie's reputation changed and it is now regarded widely as a cult classic. I was seeing reviews now that call it a masterpiece. Really? Beautiful filming, all these different things. I even found a 2022 Screen Rant article literally titled, Why Harrison Ford Changed His Mind About Blade Runner. Mm -hmm. I thought thought this was fascinating, so I'm going to share a little bit from this. So back in 1992, Harrison Ford literally said that Blade Runner was not one of his favorite films. Mm -hmm. And he did talk about, you know, some of the disputes with Ridley Scott. And he also said... This apparently came through an interview with Vice. I saw it in a different source. But he was quoted as saying that he was, quote, obliged to work for these clowns that came in writing one bad voiceover after another. (laughs) Now, over the years, as the movie gained more of a following, apparently Harrison Ford's view started to soften and change too. So much so that... He agreed to do a sequel. He decided he would do the sequel. Now, now he did not have a large role in this, apparently. Oh, Ryan, all right, right. Ryan Gosling was the big was the big star. Okay. It, it focuses on a new Blade, Runner, Blade Runner. Yes. It was 2017 that it came out. The title is Blade Runner 2049. Here's the summary that Warner Brothers Pictures put out for the that movie. 30 years after the events of Blade Runner, a new Blade Runner, LAPD officer K, played by Ryan Gosling, mm-hmm. unearths a long buried secret that has the potential to plunge what's left of society into chaos. K's discovery leads him on a quest to find Rick Deckard, played by Harrison Ford, a former LAPD Blade Runner who has been missing for 30 years. Ooh. Now, what Harrison Ford told the Globe and the Mail was that he believed Blade Runner 2049 would connect better with audiences immediately instead of having that gradual mm-hmm. you know grow of spread of appreciation like the first movie had and he felt that it was because the original Blade Runner was ahead of its time that was his oh. quote and he felt that now he he thinks the movie the first movie was really important because of quote its impact on generations of filmmakers and visual storytellers interesting so he now sees it as being something important. Also, time has probably mm-hmm. helped heal that yeah. wound. Yeah. And apparently he's he's softened so much that he's even said that it had a positive, you know, doing the film had a mm-hmm. positive impact on his life. One little fun side note is that apparently over all these years, Harrison Ford and the director Ridley Scott have had this long running disagreement over whether or not Harrison Ford's character was actually human or was himself an android. Yes, a replicant. And Ridley Scott said, no, he is absolutely 100% a replicant. And Harrison Ford always said, no, he's human. And Ryan Gosling said, even when they were filming the sequel, they were still arguing about it. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Well, I have one last thing, which is totally separate from all of this, but I just felt like it was a huge part of who Harrison Ford is. Okay. So before we go into our armchair, I just wanted to share one other just kind of total rabbit trail. Harrison Ford is a huge, you, you mentioned it already. He's a huge pilot. Yes, he is. It's a big thing yes, for him. Yes, it's a big thing. It's, he's rescued some people. Yes, yeah. he has. Yeah. And 
he had the the crash in 2015 where he was very severely injured, but he's had lots of wonderful things. Mm -hmm. And so rather than go through all of that, I thought, well, here's a really nice, concise way of touching on this. I found where he was being honored in 2022, in June of that year, by the Arrow Club of Southern California. And they put out, the actual award was the 43 annual Howard Hughes Memorial Award. Oh, that's a good name for Mm -hmm. it. And so... They put out this little blurb, I guess, to advertise it in advance. And I'm just going to read this little piece from his blurb. Best known for his renowned acting career, Harrison Ford is a licensed, fixed, and rotary wing aircraft pilot. He began flight training in the 1960s, flying in a Piper PA-22 Tri-Pacer, but at $15 an hour, he could not afford to continue the training. In the mid-1990s, he continued lessons when he bought a used Gulfstream II and asked one of his pilots, Terry Bender, to teach him. Ford shared his love of flying with young people, serving as Experimental Aircraft Association Young Eagles Program Chairman for five years. During this time, he flew more than 280 children in his DHC-2 Beaver. In 2010, he commanded an Operation Smile Medical Volunteer and Supply Airlift for Haiti earthquake victims. Ford is a volunteer search and rescue helicopter pilot in Teton County, Wyoming. He traveled to Washington, D.C. multiple times to advocate for pilots' rights. He serves as an honorary board member of the humanitarian aviation organization Wings of Hope and as vice chair of Conservation International. It is an honor to celebrate Harrison Ford, the illustrious actor, pilot, and passionate aviation advocate for his volunteer work with Young Eagles Humanitarian Aircraft Rescue Efforts. The Aero Club's mission is to honor the giant of aviation and aerospace while providing generous scholarships to students pursuing an education in either field. We look forward to bringing industry professionals and the public together to recognize Mr. Ford this June and to celebrate the visibility he brings to the aviation and aerospace industries through his aviation accomplishments and iconic film career. Nice. What an honor. Yeah. Armchair psychologist. I did want to mention that as well because as we head into our armchair, here's what I wanted to throw at you. Oh dear. I've almost decided that one of the reasons why he's been so successful is because he is so much like his iconic characters. Like even the piloting part. Yeah. So here's the armchair, Ashley. I'm going to ask for your opinions about this, but I have now come up with this theory that Harrison Ford is very much like... He's just Harrison Ford. He he is this sarcastic Mm -hmm. hero. Grumpy. Grumpy, Mm -hmm. gruff, I'm going to do it my own way mm-hmm. kind of guy he's sort of like remember in our godzilla episode where we said godzilla was just this really tired dad that's like fine i'll get yes. off the couch i'm gonna save the world that's sort of like what harrison ford is like okay since you ask it he also to my knowledge has never won an oscar so he has done all of these iconic roles and he is now in the club with people that we think of as this, these humongous giants of industry such as judy garland harrison ford Cary grant all, all these people i'm not gonna name all mm-hmm. of them but just those are just three examples of people that are just icons that never got an Oscar because they made it look so easy Mm -hmm. that people didn't think they were really acting. Oh, it's just, you're just being you. But they were just really good at their job. And when you're really good at your job, you make it look like it's not hard. Like watching Fred Astaire dance, Mm -hmm. I always think, oh, I could do that. (laughs) And then, you know, you start to try and you're like, oh, never mind. Never mind. I can't. Yeah. Which is, again, going back to what the point we made earlier, that's why sometimes I think when you see them do a movie that's so outside Outside their their norm. Mm -hmm. that it really impresses you because then you do see that range you see the versatility Mm -hmm. and and he did make a point to do that at different times Mm -hmm. 
in fact he brought out that so many times he's the hero but he once or twice took a role where he was a really bad guy i guess i haven't be- seen those it i can't think of the title of the film but there was one where he was i think it, i think he starred with michelle pfeiffer and he was evil oh what lies beneath i bet it was that, that one. might be that one i think yeah. i saw that and i think i watched it from my brain i was like nope don't like it <laughs> don't want you to be the bad guy well he he loved doing it he said yeah. he had so much fun with I'm that sure. too. it's always fun to be the bad guy if you're a nice person in real life mm-hmm. you know it's like, oh i'm outside my comfort zone yeah mm-hmm. but as i was researching him and i was thinking it's interesting because you and i talked about this off mic in some cases his characters were kind of bad <laughs> were kind of yeah. not so great to they women didn't treat, yeah they didn't treat the lady folk in their life with the nicest way right that's why i like sabrina so much right sabrina, he was definitely just he, the romantic hero the romantic mm, lead yes and no he was his harrison ford self or he was grumpy and he was focused on his job and whatnot but instead of in some of the indiana jones movies where he's unkind to the women then they fall in love with him and he stays unkind to them he doesn't really change in this case sabrina made him want to be a better person Mm -hmm. not to impress her but just getting to know her he felt like i i want to be like her i want to be good like her Mm -hmm. and then he ended up changing his character at least ended up changing so i liked that arc for him Mm -hmm. it's interesting too i think the fact that he has been acting what that would be 60 years mm-hmm. he's been in films mm-hmm. so he's he's spanned six decades a lifetime and you know we said he started in old hollywood and i think so many of the scripts that he's been given perpetuate the that, old hollywood that standards he, he, he's supposed to be the rogue he's mm-hmm. supposed to be the bad boy mm-hmm. or the swashbuckler like like that's part of the persona that they wanted him to develop yeah and i don't know whether he's leaned into that a little bit more Mm -hmm. with his own kind of personal persona as an actor or if that's a lot of who he is but Mm -hmm. I, I do think that that's something that his acting persona for example I saw where after Raiders of the Lost Ark for the second movie they wanted him to be with the same character Marion and George Lucas specifically said no I want Indy to have a different female a different girl romantic interest or you know yes in every movie mm. like they didn't want him to be like th- settled that would with be with the one. bond that's the bond part. right it mm-hmm. was it was kind of that thing I think at that time Let's... it's also interesting that we really don't know a lot about him personally that's true. We He's are making very, a lot of guesses. No, no. I mean, it's it's helping his career because we can reflect and we can make him whatever we want him to be. Mm-hmm. So we can ascribe any kind of meaning to it, but he's very private, which I like that. I think you are entitled to your privacy and mm-hmm. he gives us the movie personas and we don't know a lot about what he thinks privately. So he can be whatever we want him to be. You know, something else that's interesting. I've read now so many of his quotes, interviews that he gave to different people over the decades. And when you read read his words in writing in print he will come across as as you've said several times grumpy or grouchy mm-hmm. or sarcastic but then when you watch him deliver some of that same information mm-hmm. gives tell some of the same stories in person that man has so much charisma and mm-hmm. so much charm mm-hmm. that it reads totally differently hmm. like you you don't see him nearly as grouchy 
When he, you see him say he's, it. Yes, he's he's just got that little charm. He knows how to deliver things. He That's really why he's does. a movie star. <laughs> true. That is it. So true. Do you know of any, like when I say Harrison Ford movie quotes, do you, what comes to your mind? Can you think of any movie quotes? Well, I mean, the one you've already mentioned is the first one. I love you. I know mm-hmm. is always the first one. Do you have one in mind? I thought of when, and when Brian said, let's watch Air Force One, I went, get off my plane. <laughs> That's what he says as the president. You know, and you wouldn't think that would be this iconic quote. It's just four words, get off my plane. But the way he delivers it in that Harrison Ford growl. And then in Sabrina, one of the last lines that he delivers to her is he says, save me, Sabrina Fair. You're the only one who can. Ooh. Oh, I know. I know. Ooh. See, and I think that's why you keep coming back to that one because he shows such a vulnerability mm-hmm. that he doesn't always show as the heroic lead mm-hmm. who is always in the middle of, of mm-hmm. having to be decisive and take action and just think quickly on his feet. Yeah. I think about, I did not watch the entire film. I didn't have time, but I, I rewatched some episodes and scenes from Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah. And I saw the scene where he's got all the bruises and cuts and Marion's taking yes, care of him. Yes, and he says, where does it hurt? And he yes. starts pointing and then he points to his mouth. It was that was a move. So that was a smooth charming. move. It was. It I was. Know. I was like, there you go. Right there. Yeah. That's the leading man. That's yeah. the actor who stole this. Who stole this. Stole the show. hearts. Yes, right there. That's him. That is him. And one of, okay, last quote I'll give you. And I'm going to censor it because he says a curse word. So you'll, you'll know which one it is. In Sabrina. So part of what he's doing is she she is in love with his younger brother okay. and he is trying to change her mind and get her to like him instead because they want the younger brother to marry this other woman. It's going to be great for the family. It's a merger, blah, blah, blah. So he takes her out and he's trying to charm her. He's trying to woo her, which is very out of his comfort zone. He is not a person that does this, but they've known each other their whole lives, but he's now trying to romance her mm-hmm. and he takes her to the family's house by the sea and and they're talking and getting to know each other. And of course, she has no idea that this is all chicken. Mm-hmm. And he he calls in and somebody on the line asks him, well, how is it going? And he said, so far, I'm more affected than she is. I've darn near cried twice. <laughs> Because he's just like so moved by her and her everything. And he's just like, oh, so I think that's funny. I love that. Yeah. Okay. You've sold this movie. Yeah. I need to watch this. You do. Everybody watch it. It's so good. All right. Well, on that note, let's go ahead and say a big cheers Harrison Ford. Thank you for the decades of entertainment. My goodness. goodness. Decades and still going strong. Yes. Many more years to you, Harrison. We hope. Cheers. Cheers. If you love what we do, please rate and review our show. Or you can become a supporter by making a donation through buymeacoffee.com slash scandalwaterpod. Whether a single gift or a recurring monthly donation, it would go a long way towards supporting our work and allowing us to keep the tea brewing. At our website, www.scandalwaterpodcast.com, you can submit questions or your own story ideas, access our sources and show notes, see the merch we offer for sale, and more. You can Join the Scandal Water community through our Scandal Water Podcast Facebook page or follow us on Instagram or TikTok at Scandal Water Podcast. This episode was executive produced by Candy Thomas, that's me, and Ashley Raymer Brown, that's me. It was researched and written by Candy Thomas and edited by Ashley Raymer Brown. A special thank you to Josh Martin, who wrote, composed, and performed the Scandal Water theme and other music, Matt C. Adams, who created the artwork, and Joshua Reith, who designed our website and provides ongoing technical support. As a 
reminder, this podcast is purely for entertainment purposes. The thoughts and opinions of the host during each episode of Scandal Water are their own and do not reflect the opinions of any future guests, advertisers, or clearly professional psychologists. Thanks for listening. Back in June of 1893, (laughs) Harrison is also immortal. (laughs) Fast fact.